Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Welcome to the podcast in 16 years of endometriosis. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, are we at the circus? <laughs> it's the endo circus. Oh, that, that explains a lot. Like, you know, the elephants trampling my uterus, the fire rings that I try to poop out of, the knife throwing inside of my vagina. Wait, did somebody with endometriosis invent the circus to kind of display what it felt like on the inside? Today, we want to talk about understanding endometriosis. This is a part two of our unlabeled series because we all saw the disaster (laughs) that happened when we tried to number our series series of our Alyssa and Looper on part one, part two, part two A, part two B, or two not to be. To be. Thank you, Part three, part four, (laughs) part five. Part 75. (laughs) Part 117. And so (laughs) today, we're going to talk more about understanding endometriosis. What is it? It sucks. What are the stages? Well, you have the stage with the clowns in the car and the stage with the ringmaster on it and the stage with the tightrope walkers. Not the stages I was looking for, but I'll take them for now. And finally, how you get diagnosed. A.K.A. the very long battle to convince your doctor that your experience is real. Your doctor or the ringmaster? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, you could probably convince the ringmaster faster than yeah, your doctor that that's your pain unfortunately is real. True. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, okay, I'm juggling chronic pain, endo belly, painful bladder, painful poops. Which stage do I belong on? You belong on the main stage because that's a lot and you're more talented than anybody else in my circus. You can bounce from stage to stage. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. I totally believe you. We're going to rename the circus after you. The endo circus. Let's take the mystery out of endometriosis so that we can better understand the disease that we're living with. Is this circus taking on a mystery tone? Because I personally love mysteries. It's like the mystery of a Nancy Drew novel where they figure out who the culprit is at the end, a.k.a. all those symptoms are endometriosis. That's the culprit. Or it's like Clue. It's the excision surgery in the operating room with the Da Vinci robot. See? See what I did there? It's a mystery solved. You belong on stage, backstage, Brittany, because your talents are need development. Wow. (laughs) Okay. All right. Let's put you main stage spotlight on Amy. Tell us a joke. That's right. You're not the funny one. It's me. (laughs) We all have our strengths, Brittany. And yours is not on stage either. Backstage. (laughs) Exit stage left. I'm going to get the hook. Brittany and I became really interested in doing this series on taking the mystery out of endometriosis because we all know with endometriosis how important it is to be our own advocates. And of course, what better way to be our own advocates is with information. Unfortunately, I think it kind of falls on our shoulders as people living with this disease to better understand the disease that we're living with. Because so many doctors, as we know, are uninformed about endometriosis and and are prescribing outdated treatments based on incorrect, erroneous, outdated, misinformed. Wow. A lot of the same words for the same thing, but I like it. Keep going. I'm hammering home a point here, (laughs) I like it. So the point is that many of the doctors don't know what they're talking about when it comes to endometriosis. Of course, some do, and we have some wonderful doctors, specialists in endometriosis, especially excision surgeons who have taken a lot of time to research and learn about endometriosis. But unfortunately, 
the majority of gynecologists treating this disease are treating it based on information that they've been given in medical school that maybe they were given, you know, a 20 minute lecture on endometriosis based on outdated, erroneous misinformation. I got the point that time. Outdated, erroneous misinformation. I got the point that time. 20 minutes, Brittany. That's not very many minutes <laughs> for a disease that affects 200 million people worldwide. But, you know, 20 minutes, that's all we need for it. So we're, we're joking a little bit, but in a way we're not because some doctors have reported that that's all they were informed about endometriosis was a quick lecture when they were in medical school. Can you imagine being in one of those lectures and like the teacher is up there and they have this PowerPoint presentation from like 1950, like the first PowerPoint ever made. And it comes up on the screen and there's like ovaries and they're like, ovaries. Are they're inside people. <laughs> they may be involved in endometriosis. <laughs> Look for black stuff. Somewhere near an ovary. <laughs> if you find it. Might be endometriosis, might not. We, we're not really sure. We can't tell you. <laughs> Hysterectomy. We're not really sure ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Ask them if it's anxiety. Oh. If not, prescribe them some other medication. <laughs> hysterectomy, tell them to get pregnant, tell them pain is normal, send them on their merry way. Those treatments, quote unquote, I just mentioned were all sarcasm, by the way. And just to be clear, it's not really the average doctor's fault that they're not given proper information or sufficient training about endometriosis. Then whose fault is it, Brittany? It's the medical system's fault. It's society's fault. Yeah, for not taking it seriously and for not thinking that it deserves more attention in classroom time, even though it affects so many people. So it's not really the average doctor's fault that they don't know enough. It's their education's fault. So we're not ragging on doctors for not being given information. How would they know? Definitely, I think we've all had some bad experiences with misinformed doctors. I know in my own case, it was very hard to try to look inside myself to just let go of the anger and forgive these doctors and remember that it's not their fault. They're not to blame. I mean, that's what their education taught them. But I think what that really reflects and what Brittany and I are making fun of here is this bigger overall flaw in the medical system that so many of us have taken so long to get diagnosed because we weren't taking seriously. Doctors didn't know how to recognize the very obvious glaring signs of endometriosis like crushing menstrual cramps, painful sex, pain during bowel movements. All of that is so disgraceful and it is so unacceptable. Like it is not a particular doctor's fault. It's a reflection that the medical system that has been built around the education of endometriosis is clearly failing 200 million people worldwide. Here we go, Brittany. First, let's start with, what is endometriosis? Light crew number four, spotlight on Brittany, please. <gasps> All I know is that it's something to do with the uterine lining being outside of the uterus. Right? Uh, Amy, face, palms, forehead. Uh, Brittany, uh, how are you on this podcast so many months? I mean, years at this point. You don't even know the definition of endometriosis. Uh, Amy, get you, the hook, pull her off the stage. You could not sense my intense sarcasm. Throw tomatoes at her. My intense, deep-seated sarcasm. And apples. You no, missed it completely. That would hurt. Yeah, don't throw an apple at me. <laughs> <laughs> Just the small, tiny apples, the crab the apples. The crab apples still hurt. <laughs> I mean, pelted with an ice ball. <laughs> no, Amy, you did not sense my sarcasm. Oh. My my rhetoric was dripping with sarcasm. Oh, uh, um, stage left towel, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Wipe off the tomato juice from me. Oh, you're right, Brittany. Sorry, you're being sarcastic. I didn't Thank get you. that. Thank yeah. you. I feel so embarrassed now. <laughs> it's okay. Also, it's so funny. I'll just kick you off the stage. Okay, can you, I just like, <laughs> someone is listening in for the first time and they're like, ooh, I wonder who these girls are. And then they like fast forward to that one spot just casually, you know. Yeah, just to check and, around, see what yeah, we're like. And it's like, so what is endometriosis? And Brittany's like, mm. While she oh, like no. twirls her hair, you know, like I'm they're gonna sure think I was serious. In the uterine lining, <laughs> and the person's like one star. This is all incorrect. A 
appalling. Appalling. <laughs> it was a joke, everyone. If you skip to that part, please keep listening. <laughs> okay, Brittany, let's let you have another chance. Spotlight on Brittany's stage left. Okay. What is endometriosis? No sarcasm this time. This is a serious answer. Thank God. So a generally understood definition of endometriosis is tissue similar to the endometrium, which is the uterine lining. So tissue similar to the endometrium is found outside of the uterus. The crowd goes wild. (sighs) Applause. (laughs) What if we just stop calling it endometriosis altogether? (gasps) (gasps) The shock. Oh, the fear. Oh, my God. The mystery. (laughs) (laughs) The intrigue. Ooh, Brittany Daring. Mm. My goodness. Ooh, Ooh, you forward-thinking individual. This was the 1600s. You would have been hung for witchcraft. (laughs) So, Brittany, please enlighten us on why you think we should rename endometriosis. Well, first, I need to break down what endometriosis means. And when I say what it means, I mean break down the etymology and the origin of where the pieces in the word come from. So I get to talk about Greek for a second, which is really fun. The Greek word endo means inside. So we got the endo part. The next part is metra, endometri which metra means uterus, and osis is a very common suffix, which means affected with or a condition. So that's where endometriosis comes from, which means inside the uterus condition, so condition inside the uterus. Is that accurate, Amy? I don't know. I don't speak Greek, but... Is that what endometriosis is? Oh, well, I think you've done a fine job explaining where the word comes from, but no! That is not what endometriosis is. Oh, my God. Exactly. People get it right. That's my point and why it shouldn't be called that anymore. I can understand when they named the condition that they probably thought that the tissue that makes endometriosis is indeed the uterine lining because we now find ourselves in this kind of war with the myth of retrograde menstruation and how for so many years, I mean, really a century, the very prominent theory of the origin of endometriosis as retrograde menstruation has just never died. I mean, it's never been proven that endometriosis is from retrograde menstruation, which is your menstrual blood leaking into the abdominal cavity. Ooh. Okay, first of all, endometriosis has been found in parts of the body like the eyelid, the nose, septum, the, the brain, butt, the butt cheek, the personal butt cheek. favorite, <laughs> the periclitoral region, i.e. near the clitoris. Oh, yes, absolutely. So sad. I'm so happy I don't have endometriosis there. But if endometriosis was caused by your menstrual blood leaking, then how did it leak all the way up to your brain slash? Got some leaky body parts of that's the case. Septum, <laughs> slash- <gasps> what? Brittany, wait. What? Brittany, wait. Waiting. Brittany. Waiting. Oh, my God. I just, Both spotlights. Wow. Stage Ooh. right. <laughs> oh, my God. The genius is like the crowd. The is brain is pumping wild. right wow. now. We're all in all. We're on the edge of our seat. Tell us, please. Tell us. <laughs> well, don't you know, Brittany, how the uterus wanders <gasps> the body? Oh, my God. Don't gosh. you remember? Yeah. The uterus wanders the body. And that's oh, why the- My education from these... the 1600s. How could I forget? Oh, my goodness. And when my uterus was wandering the body, lost- Unattached from the rest of my organs somehow. Trying to find its way home. Education was wild in the 1600s. (laughs) I I am so glad I live now. And the 1700s and the 1800s and the 1900s, to be honest. And the 20s. And it's still perpetuated now. So, yeah, education hasn't changed. It's scary. Okay. Back to my theory. Okay. Spotlight back on Amy. Your uterus was wandering around the body. I'm lost. Oh, I'm lost uterus. Oh, God. Oh, when I was wandering my way to the butt cheek. Mm. Oh, how did it fit in the butt cheek? (laughs) Brittany, it was lost. It was a confused. Oh, okay. Confused. It's going to be really confused. Hysterical, (laughs) Wandering. And it got to the butt cheek. And it bled a little outside of itself into the butt cheek. Oh, okay. 
leaving and, a deposit of endometriosis there and then going on its way up, up into the nose septum. So my uterus Ooh, is in my nose. Maybe. Why I smell blood sometimes. <laughs> I'm in the nose septum. And then oh. a blood a little bit. Oops. Oops. Had a little blood leakage. Oh, oh, oh well. Better move on. Better move on. A billion too much. Ooh, I'm going to go to the eyelid. Ooh, maybe in the eyelid. Oh, maybe I'll have some more success in the eyelid. Oh, ooh, blood a little. <laughs> <laughs> Who thought of this theory? I mean, hold on. My theory about the wandering uterus leaving endometriosis in the brain and the butt cheek, and that's pretty genius. I mean, okay? with all the facts, if, if that was what you had to consider in terms of facts available and you came to that conclusion, I'd say it's pretty genius. But I have a bone to pick with the person. Who thought a uterine, a uterine wanderous? Wow. Who thought a wandering uterus was a thing? A uterine wanderous. <laughs> wanderous uterus? <laughs> wondrous. Yeah, wondrous. We should change the name of this podcast to Uterus Wanderous. <laughs> it sounds very Latin. I like that. But who thought Searching, of Searching, depositing endometriosis all over the body. That sounds horrible. <laughs> Nobody wants that for a title. Who in their right mind thought the uterus was wandering? I love how whoever determined that was probably a person without a uterus, and somehow people without uterus have no other body parts wandering. But if you're a person with a uterus, all of a sudden that body part's just the one that wanders. My liver never moved. My lungs don't move. My heart doesn't move. But somehow my uterus does. Why? Who thought of that? I want to revoke their license. 400 years ago. <laughs> Okay, so I hope all of our joking has hammered home a point in a very funny manner that endometriosis is not caused by retrograde menstruation. And if you're like, ooh, then what is it caused by? Well, we are probably born with it. Oh, how fun. Maybe it's endometriosis. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're like, ooh, what gives her that shine on her eyelashes? Endometriosis. Tears from her flare. She was born with it. (laughs) But we did a whole episode about the origin of endometriosis. If you haven't heard that, you can go back. And we hope it's also very clear that endometriosis is not the endometrium. And there have been many studies that has analyzed the endometrium, so the actual uterine lining, and compared that to endometriosis. And sometimes they even compared the endometriosis from, like, for example, they would compare my endometriosis to my uterine lining. So the endo and the uterine lining from the same person. And no, they didn't compare mine. That would be so cool. I would love to be oh, part of that love to science that experiment. Ooh. ooh, I'd be there. Proving we'll sign up for the next one. I'd be there. Proving the uterus isn't wandering. I'd be like, ooh, ooh, I think there's a pain in my shoulder. Cut my shoulder open. See if my uterus is there. <laughs> oh, it's not. Oh, it must not be wandering. Ooh, there's a pain in my eyeball. Cut it open. Oh, whoa. <laughs> Let's not sign Amy up for that experiment, everyone. <laughs> Fine, I'll do the experiment at home and myself. Uh, no, I'm, Amy's <laughs> going to stay at my place tonight, and I'm going to watch her and make sure she doesn't have a deep-seated desire to prove that wandering uterus is not a thing. Okay, I'll keep her safe, everyone. Don't worry. Oh, Brittany, I'm just so desperate to prove that the uterus does not wander. I know. I mean, I know modern science, like, says they know that, but sometimes... But, like, based on what they think causes do... endometriosis, do they really know <laughs> do that? Do they know that? Because all of the still questionable quote unquote treatments that many gynecologists that are misinformed give have to do with the uterus, like get pregnant, cut out the uterus, let it wander to the foot, and then amputate and the keep foot. it there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they really know what they're talking about, honestly. So basically, we want to say that endometriosis and the endometrium are different on so many levels, and they're more different than similar. They have different histologic morphologic and biologic natures of the two tissues are more different than similar. Uh, Shocking. Fancy speak for it is not the same tissue. There are hundreds of differences between endo and the endometrium. Not one, not two, Brittany. Hundreds. So when you say hundreds, you mean like a dozen? I mean hundreds, Brittany. Uh. What part of hundreds don't you understand? One, two, three, ninety-nine hundreds. What are these hundreds? I'm so overwhelmed. Like, the appearance of the two tissues is different. Like, the hormone receptors are different. Like, the hormone responsiveness is different. There's also genetic differences. All right, Brittany. Um, how long do we have? Because should we go on and list all the hundreds of differences? Well, should I keep going? Uh, it's 9.30 at night. I'm thinking it's about time for us both to wind down for bed. So I think if we just tell them how many again, it will make sense. 
So there's hundreds. 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 Of differences between endometriosis and the endometrium. Hundreds. Hun. Wait for it. Dreads. <laughs> dread. I dread the hun. Hundreds. Dreads. <laughs> Hundreds. So if you're scrolling on social media and you happen to see someone post that endometriosis is the uterine lining in the wrong spot or the uterus not doing its job because it's putting the uterine lining in the wrong spot, reach out to them kindly. Recommend them this episode of the podcast. No, maybe don't do that. Or maybe do it. I don't know. More education is feeling. Yeah, just educating people when people don't know they're misinformed. So when we educate them, it actually goes a long way because you don't know how many people are seeing a specific post that gives more people misinformation. It's a ripple effect. So it's always a good idea to just inform people when you see a mistake. Nicely. Yes, kindly, please. With kindness. With compassion and empathy. Stage light on Amy, please, while she recaps. Amy's a genius. Oh, well, good thing the spotlight was on me and not on you. Nobody heard that. So let's recap everything we've learned so far. Amy's a genius. (laughs) Okay, so we have learned that endometriosis is not the endometrium. We have learned that endometriosis is not supposed to be inside of the uterus. It is not caused by retrograde menstruation. We have learned that the uterus does not wander. So do I need to do my experiment tonight where I hack over my shoulder when I have pain or? No, because you're going to have pain like everywhere. That's like what happens, (laughs) but it's not because of your wandering uterus (laughs) because it doesn't wander. No, it's just because of endometriosis. Yes, just because of inflammation. In general. That's just a a gift you get. Oh. Endometriosis is the gift that keeps on giving in ways you don't expect. But in any event, I am calling for a rebrand because the name endometriosis perpetuates all these falsehoods and just because of what the etymological background of the word is. All the pieces that make up the word are perpetuating misinformation. So to recap that, endo means inside. Mitra. Uterus. Osis. Condition afflicting. So the word endometriosis means that it is a condition that is inside the uterus. Inaccurate. Lies. Inaccurate. Lies on stage one. Lies on stage two. Lies at the endocircus. Now there's like a firework that goes up and it just says lies across, <laughs> this, across the sky. One of those planes goes by that's trailing like the... A banner that says lies. <laughs> I mean, that's more accurate. So we want to rebrand. And this is how we're going to rebrand. All right. So in this rebrand, we'd have to rename endometriosis with the etymology in Greek or Latin, because that's where all these medical terms yeah, always We'll stick come to the from. structure, okay. So I really like the idea of it being a, like, what is the, um, okay, what is the Greek or Latin for the word diseased? Ooh. I think that's the word egrotis, which is Grotis. <laughs> okay, no, that's not that. Egrotisosis is not working for Whoa. me. Okay, you're like, I have egrotisosis. They're like, oh, <laughs> get, get away from me. <laughs> At least 10 feet back, please, and put some gloves on. <laughs> like, no, don't no. like it. Egrotisosis is not contagious. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> no, no, we're doomed with that one, though. What about sick or ill or unwell? Okay, I can work with that. What's the Latin for? Sick. I think that would be infirmus, which would be infirmiciosis. I mean, that's kind of fun to say. Infirmiciosis. I have infirmiciosis. But it sounds like I have fear. Well, I mean, I do have fear, but (laughs) that's not the point I'm trying to get across here. Maybe that might be my favorite one. Double meaning. (laughs) The word means sick, but when you hear it, it feels scary. (laughs) You feel fear. I like that. What you actually fear, I mean, feel, I mean, fear. Oh, my goodness. What what do I mean? Wait, what you actually fear, I mean feel, when endometriosis is near. All right, there's another Latin word for sick or ill or unwell, and it is agur. Agurriosis. I like it because it's kind of invoking like the tiger, the cats that claw the inside of the uterus and the bladder and the intestines. Agurriosis. I like it. What if we picked a word that meant, I don't know, like 
intense, horrible pain like agony and torture and torment. Ooh, I like where you're going here. So I'm thinking the word cruciabundus, which the root meaning crucio, which is agony and pain and torture. Ooh, so it'd be like cruciabundiosis. Ooh. <gasps> oh, my gosh. First of all, I love the ring that has to that. And second of all, does that remind anyone of Harry Potter? Absolutely. Oh, my God. This actually makes a lot of sense because if you know anything about Harry Potter, you know that the Cruciatus Curse is the most painful curse that one wizard can inflict upon someone. <gasps> when they cast that curse, it has torturing, excruciating pain. <gasps> oh, my God. That's why the Are word... they inflicting endometriosis on people? I mean, I think that is makes that a, a lot of sense. Is that a code word for endometriosis? Like... If this curse is cast on you, you will fall on the ground, writhing and thrashing and vomiting That's and pooping literally what pain. they do. <gasps> oh, my, so, oh, my goodness. I mean, the word to cast a spell is crucio, which means literally torture, pain, agony. That sounds a lot like what people who have endometriosis experience. So I think that Harry Potter's usage of the cruciatus curse may have been on to something. Maybe the wizard or witch who came up with the Cruciatus Curse was trying to find a way to help other people understand what they were experiencing when, when they had a flare. Maybe that's where the spell came from. I wonder if you couldn't, if you were unable to cast the Cruciatus Curse and instead you're like, mm, I'm going to poison someone. And so you made a Crucio Potion. Like, okay, well, I need the bottled screams. Okay, there we go. Those go in the, in the cauldron. Then I need just a dash of wandering uterus. You have to go on a long hunt to find one of those because you never know where it's going to be in the body. So you get a dash of the wandering uterus. And then you throw in a couple shards of glass because that's what it feels like inside. And then you, you stir it clockwise seven times in full moonlight because you feel like a werewolf during a flare. And then on the counterclockwise stir, you have to pour in a dash of menstrual blood. When you've brewed it for seven days before you can bottle it up, you must vomit into it. <laughs> in pain. It must be in pain, a pain vomit. And then you bottle it up, and that's how you poison people with the Crucio potion. <laughs> J.K. Rowling, get at me. <laughs> I can help you make some more potions, okay? <laughs> Brittany, I'm pretty sure that someone threw that potion on me when I was 16 years old in the Crucio Bundus curse. That makes a lot of sense. Began in my body. I'm so the sorry. Pain. I don't have an antidote. What is it? Ooh. My only thing close to an antidote what is... What if... Okay, I know the antidote. It probably involves doing yoga. Uh, it might involve drinking celery juice. <gasps> I'm going to say no on all accounts. <laughs> but I like what you're thinking. <laughs> Let's get serious. Okay. Or not. <laughs> serious? Let's get serious. Do we know how to do that? Mm, I hope so. Do any of you listening want us to be serious? I don't think so. <laughs> So some researchers were ahead of Brittany and I in the curve, whatever, oh, science. How lovely to be them. Oh, my goodness. Well, some researchers have proposed a different definition for endometriosis. <gasps> Ooh, exciting. Ooh. I know. So first we want to point out that in order to diagnose endometriosis, you need a pathology report. And that is why a definitive diagnosis is found via laparoscopy is done via surgery because you need to have a biopsy of the tissue and then the pathology report will show that the tissue has endometriosis glands and stroma. Two things. Glands and stroma. And glands and stroma. Sounds like and a really left. scary workout right. video. <laughs> <laughs> now show your glands and your stroma. And like, biceps. Uh. And biceps and glands and stroma. <laughs> As everyone wears, like, bright pink and bright blue spandex. Of course, absolutely. With one of those really thick headbands. Leg warmers <laughs> pulled up so your hips are exposed. Like, that's how it's done. <laughs> so throughout our body, we have glands, right? So we know we have our sweat glands and our saliva glands and many different kinds of glands. And then we also have stroma throughout the body. So stroma is a type of connective tissue which keeps organs or glands, and in this case, glands, together or in place. Wait a minute. So what you're saying, oh, I have it. My brain is turning. Ooh, the genius has arrived. It's here. Hello. 
Spotlight, stage right. <laughs> Give her her platform. She clearly wants it. All eyes on me. Hold the tomatoes, please. So what you're saying is the glands are kind of like chocolate chips and the stroma is like the cookie <gasps> around all the chocolate okay, chips. Okay, that was holding pretty Holding together. I'm going to give you all that All the one. chips in the cookie. All right, she gets the applause for that. That was a great one. Ooh, and the crowd goes wild. Amy. Oh, wow. She took it to the next level. Spotlight off, Amy. She needs a break. <laughs> all right, Brittany. So here's the thing. Some researchers have said that the endometriosis glands and stroma are only a minor component of the endometriosis lesions. <gasps> In some forms of the disease, they're absent. <gasps> the shock! They're not there! The audacity! Where's my chocolate chip cookie? The horror! It's missing! <laughs> <laughs> well, if you are an avid listener of this podcast, and if not, what is wrong with you? I might ask. Why don't we just welcome them <laughs> and thank them for being here and ask them You're right. don't be to s- continue staying uh. with us and spending time with us. Amy slaps self in face. The spotlight being on Amy has been going to her <laughs> head, okay? It's making me feel aggressive. It's the bright lights. I feel it's like very a warm under there. animal. Yeah, it's okay. I, I apologize to everyone. It's okay if you're not an avid listener, but we'd love that you're here. We welcome you. If you listened to the episode on the different types of endometriosis, you may or may not remember, because there was a lot of information in that episode. Oh, my goodness. I barely remember. And Brittany and I were here doing it, making the episode. (laughs) But we talked about how there is deep infiltrating endometriosis, which is a type of endometriosis. And the deep infiltrating endometriosis also has different types. So it's like subtypes. And type 3 was the rectovaginal endometriotic nodules. So these are like big, invasive, disgusting, pieces of endometriosis. And they're very deep. And they're deeper in the tissue than 5 millimeters. And they are found in the space between the rectum and the vagina. Hence, they are the rectovaginal, rectum and vagina endometriotic for endometriosis nodules big bulky disgusting things so what about these type 3 deep infiltrating endometriosis rectovaginal endometriotic nodules my (laughs) what a tongue twister as we mentioned in that episode some researchers have suggested calling them rectovaginal adenomyosis because of their structure In these, we want to point out that the endometriosis glands are often not surrounded by the stroma. So the chocolate chips don't have the cookie around them. And we also want to point out that research has shown that in about 40% of ovarian endometriomas, no epithelium is found in the walls of the ovarian endometriomas. Brittany, why are you introducing new vocabulary that I've never heard of, like <laughs> epithelium? Hey, what is an epithelium? You got to introduce all these fun words. It's my turn. Type 3 deep infiltrating endometriosis, the rectovaginal endometriotic... The, mm. See? No, oh, You've lost it. Oh, my Spotlight talent. on me my, now. <laughs> my talent is gone. <laughs> I've been relegated to the back to shine the shoes. <laughs> okay, well, epithelial, since that's a new word is essentially what glands are made of. So glands are made of epithelial cells. In our metaphorical example with the chocolate chips, the glands, the epithelium would be the cacao that the chocolate chips are made from. Okay, so what you're saying when you said in about 40% of ovarian endometriomas, no epithelium, so really you mean like glands. It doesn't have the tissue that the glands, that the endometriosis glands are made from. Correct. Brittany, what does all of that mean? You were like, oh, the glands and all the type 3 diet. Oh, well. <laughs> I lost it. I'm I tired. think what you mean I is the type tired. 3 deep infiltrating endometriosis, the rectovaginal endometriotic nodules. Is that what you're trying to say? Spotlight on Brittany. <laughs> Does anyone notice how shiny her shoes are? I did that. Shiny shoes are important. Thank you. So essentially what we're saying is that some research has shown that in some forms of endometriosis, 
either the glands or stroma are not present. So do you know why that's important to know? Of course I know why, Brittany. So tell me, Amy. Um, <laughs> Spotlight is um, creeping over towards Amy. Oh, you better have an answer by the oh, time it gets to you. Spotlight on stage right. Amy's sweating. Oh, God. <laughs> Amy's stomach hurts. Oh, stress poo. Oh, keep it in. Oh, Amy's wearing a diaper. Amy's fine. <laughs> Amy's good. She's good. Spotlight is on you. You better be ready. Stench coming from Amy now. <laughs> Sta- Brittany on stage left, inches more stage left. <laughs> We send a tiger flying through the ring so that everybody's distracted from Amy's poo. (laughs) Stress poo. Well, as we mentioned, endometriosis is diagnosed when the pathology report shows that the tissue in question, so the tissue they're looking at and being like, is this endometriosis? And when they look, they see the glands and the stroma. And that's how they know it's endometriosis. But some of the different types of endometriosis don't always have the glands and the stroma. (gasps) The confusion. The conundrum. The mystery. Oh. The despair. (laughs) I'm lost now. Some researchers have also said that fibrosis, which is the formation of fibrous connective tissue as a part of the healing process in response to injury, or to put it more simply, we could think of it as scar tissue. The adhesions. Some researchers have also said that fibrosis and smooth muscle cells appear to be more consistent features of endometriosis lesions. Okay, so you might be like, okay, okay, why are these two girls, first of all, talking so much about the circus? Well, because that's fun. that's fun. And we're talking about the research into the nature of endometriosis because we're talking about should we rename endometriosis? Should we rebrand the definition of endometriosis to not talk about the endometrial-like tissue outside of the uterus? And what's interesting is that there already are some researchers and scientists, we love you, and they're talking about how it might be a wise decision to reconsider the definition of endometriosis. So in the article that Brittany and I were looking at, the article is called Time to Redefine Endometriosis, Including Its Pro-Fibrotic Nature. And remember that we said fibrosis is like a scar tissue. And this article was written in December of 2017. So it's quite recent, like only two and a half years old. and basically. The authors of this article say that perhaps endometriosis should be reworded as, and I quote, a fibrotic condition in which endometrial stroma and epithelium can be identified, end quote. Ooh. So to recap, let's have Brittany translate to (gasps) regular human speak. A fibrotic condition. We know what a condition is. Because we all have one. Oh, God. I have a a terrible condition, been more than one. And fibrotic is scar tissue-like or similar to scar tissue. So a fibrotic condition in which endometrial stroma. So we learned that the stroma is the cookie holding the chocolate chips. In which endometrial stroma and epithelium can be identified. Epithelium is the cells that make up glands. So the cacao that makes the chocolate chips. So once more, a fibrotic condition in which endometrial stroma and epithelium can be identified. I love the proposed definition for endometriosis. I love it too. It doesn't have the word uterus in it. It doesn't have the word uterine lining in it. It doesn't have the word like. A uterine lining-like tissue. What? That's what? confusing. It's a own tissue. Describe what it is. And honestly. Explain what it is. How come we're still comparing it to something that it's not? The thing that really gets me is that the definition of endometriosis and the etymology of the word endometriosis are in contradiction with each other. So the definition says it's found outside of the uterus, but the root words of endometriosis literally mean inside the uterus. Brittany, it's because back when they named endometriosis, they didn't really know what it was, and they thought it came from inside of the uterus, and they've never updated the name ever since they found well, out that it's that been it long didn't enough. come from change inside it. of the uterus. And Rebrand. that's why they decided to change 
the definition to be all like, it's a like. Well, a if tissue, we can change the definition. Not the uterus, but it's near the uterus. I'm it's confused like, by that definition. Just give it something new. I love it. A fibrotic Rebranded. condition. I Doesn't like that it. sound horrifying? You're yes. Like, like, what's wrong with him? Like, I have a fibrotic condition. It's properly awful is what it sounds. Properly awful. I have a fibrotic condition in which endometrial stroma and epithelium can be identified. They're like, oh, Whoa. my God. Do you that need, sounds like, serious. That sounds like it's very painful. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Now you're like, oh, yeah, I have this condition where this tissue that's like my uterine lining is outside of my uterus. And they're like, ew, oh, that's you gross. said the word uterus. <laughs> you're so disgusting. Does that, like, happen when you bleed? Oh, If ew. you're not nice to me, I'm going to bleed on you next. <laughs> no, I'm going to bleed on the potion. And then, <laughs> and then I'm going to give you the potion. And your uterus, then I'm going to vomit on it. And then I'll be like, here. Here, try this. Let me know how it feels. Steam your yoni with this. And- <laughs> Another reason why I really like this proposed definition for endometriosis, or it doesn't have to be that definition, but something similar, is that many of us have seen in our pathology reports after surgery that certain tissues that they took didn't come back as endometriosis. So I saw that in my own pathology report. They did 10 different tissues around my abdomen. So like the peritoneum, which is the lining of the abdomen. They did the ovary a piece of the uterus, like, I don't know. They did a whole bunch of weird blobs that they found. So they did 10 different tissues. And seven of them came back as pathologies of endometriosis. So they were confirmed as endometriosis. And they had both the glands and the stroma. But three of the tissues that the doctor pulled came back, and they were not identified as endometriosis, but rather they were quote, characteristic of endometriosis, end quote. But they weren't endometriosis because they didn't have the glands in the stroma. To read directly from my pathology report, two of the pathologies that came back as characteristic of endometriosis said, and I quote, this slide shows fibrosis, chronic inflammation, hemorrhage, and hemosiderin deposit. The findings may be related to healed endometriosis, though no endometrial glands are currently identifiable for a definitive diagnosis. Now, the pathologies that were identified as endometriosis had the same features. To quote my path report again, it says, quote, This slide shows endometrial glands set within fibrous tissues, an associated fibrosis, chronic inflammation, hemorrhage, and hemosiderin deposit. So as you see, the characteristics were the same in both tissues, fibrosis, chronic inflammation, hemorrhage, and hemosiderin deposit, but one had endometrial glands and one didn't. And one was identified as endometriosis, and one was identified as characteristic of endometriosis. So this article is called Time to Redefine Endometriosis, Including Its Pro-Fibrotic Nature. This article states that by changing the definition, it could help with any false negative diagnoses of endometriosis. So it's just interesting to me that those tissues in my pathology report were characteristic of endometriosis, but they couldn't be called endometriosis. Instead, they were called things like fibrosis and giant cell inflammation and other scientific jargon. (laughs) (laughs) One of them was called cruciabundiosis. Oh, my goodness. Just kidding. Your name, it's spreading. It's taking hold. (laughs) It's like fetch, but it will happen. So maybe the criteria that we have now to define endometriosis needs to be updated or needs to be expanded to include not just the glands and the stroma, but other characteristics that are typical of endometriosis. And I did see that some research had stated that maybe it would be sufficient to diagnose something endometriosis if the tissue showed fibrosis along with hemosiderin-laden macrophages. 
If you recall what I read on my pathology report, both the endometriosis and the tissue that was characteristic of endometriosis had hemosiderin deposits. So our point is that there are more characteristics of the tissue that might make it possible to identify endometriosis. Everyone for a rebrand, say, I, 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 I. That wasn't all just me. That was everyone here. But on the other hand, some leaders in the field believe that to identify a tissue as endometriosis, that the glands and stroma are indeed the gold standard in diagnosis. Because the thing is, other health conditions can be associated with, with things like hemosiderin, fibrosis, and hemorrhage. So these findings are not just characteristic of endometriosis. Therefore, widening the definition could lead to further confusion or it could lead to naming tissue as endometriosis that actually is not endometriosis. The conundrum, the intrigue, the mystery. I do think it's valid to say that even if they do rebrand and give us a new, more proper and accurate definition, a better and more accurate name of endometriosis, it's still important that we understand that even if the criteria is expanded, the tissue still needs to have those characteristics. So the only way for us to see if the tissue has the characteristics in this potentially expanded definition is with surgical diagnosis. So nothing will replace that because we still need to do a pathology and see that any of these now more expanded characteristics exist in the tissue sample. Well, First off, I want to say that I highly doubt that they'll ever change the name of endometriosis. And I really don't know or mm, I don't want to say I don't think because I don't want to sound pessimistic, but I really don't think that they'll ever expand the definition of endometriosis because I think all of like for for medical literature to change, it's such a slow process. Like imagine that they change the definition and then they had to go through all the trouble of like updating everything and educating everyone differently. And I don't know. It's just. And all these prominent scientists would have to be in agreement, right? Like, here we are saying, we should rename it. I mean, I, mean, I wish we could make the decision, maybe but we can't. the people who <laughs> give out the Nobel Peace Prize are listening to this podcast, in which case, hello, Brittany, <laughs> Brittany may be here from the Endo Circus. <laughs> we would like you to listen Ready to available our plea. for our prize at any time. <laughs> but, you know, while the authors of this research made a very compelling argument and their proposal is backed by scientific evidence to go from proposing something to actually seeing the changes instituted in real life, I think especially in the medical field, that that is a big jump from A to B. A big and long jump. the earth to the sun. (laughs) So I really don't think it's going to happen. But yes, if it, let's say it did happen, which would be so cool because then I'd have a fibrotic condition. Ooh. I mean, we do have a fibrotic condition. That's just not the definition. <laughs> In which the endometrial glands and stroma can be identified or, or, and this one sounds even scarier, I have fibrosis along with hemosiderin-laden macrophages. So either way, no matter what endometriosis is called, no matter what the definition is, you still need surgery to diagnose it. You still need a pathology report. And excision surgery will still remain the gold standard for treatment because that is the treatment that actually treats endometriosis and not the symptoms like many hormonal medicines do. And that is the surgery that, unlike ablation surgery, removes endometriosis at the roots. So call an apple a papple or a poople or a popple or a babapple. Why? (laughs) I don't know. I'm just saying it. It will still be an apple. Okay. And you can still make papapple pie, <laughs> apple pie with your papapple. Oh, okay. And you can still make apple crisp with your papapple. Does anybody understand this analogy <laughs> or is it just Amy? Because I'm a little lost. <laughs> Are you trying to refer to the phrase a rose by any other name? Is that is that what you're trying to do with it except with papapple? <laughs> oh, wait. What is it? It's from Shakespeare, right? So I think what you're trying to say is the phrase, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet from Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, but with apples? So essentially saying, it is what it is, no matter what you want to call it. Yes. You know, 
Shakespeare does a really good job of expressing the inner poetry inside of me. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Ooh, Brittany. Yes, oh, my I'm... gosh. My genius is showing again. I have the best idea. Okay, what spotlight if we name... on Amy. Thank you. Bring it to me. What if we call these episodes that are all about understanding endometriosis, what if we call them endoepithelium? Uh, I mean, that's a little strange, the but... Pathology of endo. That's specific. Why don't we the think The biology broader? of endo. I mean, okay, you're getting somewhere. The endo mystery. What if we call it... Papapples! I think that will tell nobody what it's about. They'll just think that you had a little hiccup on the keyboard and blah, blah, blah. that's what came out. What if we call the series The Endophiles? Oh my goodness, like I that? love it. These are all the mysteries, Ooh. the intrigue, the horror, the excitement of endometriosis. Oh, solving crimes, solving mysteries. One file at a time. All right. I think it's safe to conclude today's episode of The Endophiles, understanding endometriosis, taking the mystery out of a disease that we live with every single day that causes us pain and symptoms that not many doctors understand. But we will understand what we're living with, and we'll empower ourselves, and we'll advocate, and we will hunt down the aliens, I mean, the excision surgeons. (laughs) (laughs) It is kind of like a mystery. You look at the back of the endophiles, the movie. And it says, will the endometriosis patient find an excision surgeon? When will they find an excision surgeon? Will the excision surgeon be in their insurance network? Will the excision surgeon be in their country? Stay tuned, folks. To find the conclusion at the end (laughs) of the endophiles. And then, oh, pain, cry, and then vomit. Yes. Oh, sorry. I forgot the... (laughs) (laughs) So we really hope that you enjoyed today's episode and and attending the Endo Circus with Brittany and Amy. And if so, please, the five-star rating or throw us the Rotten Tomatoes. Or if you want some circus peanuts, just reach out to us and throw us a peanut. A comment. That's what I mean by peanut. (laughs) You can throw us a peanut on Instagram. I'm allergic to peanuts, but no big deal. Throw me them anyway. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not allergic to anything, according to the doctors. (laughs) Well, they've been wrong before. (laughs) But we are on Instagram at in16yearsofendo, and we are on the website in16years.com, and there you can connect with us via email. And you can also find the links to the studies we mentioned in this episode. And there, too, you can download our homemade recipe for your own making of the Cruciabundus curse. Bye.